throughout history, what has shaped humanity more than any other tool is stories. Stories that are deep and wide and high, that are embedded in these deep, wide, and high truths have shaped humanity more than anything else. When I was in high school, I found something fascinating that I didn't fully understand until recently. I had a lot of friends who were into this epic fantasy, or these novels, these stories that were written, and it always seemed to be that those who were into these epic fantasies were atheists. And I couldn't understand it until recently. Because these people were enchanted, my friends were enchanted by these stories that deposited you into another world, that spoke of beauties and this war between good and evil. And when it seems like all hope is lost, resurrection happens. So people that I was friends with loved these kind of stories and they were atheists and I finally understand why. Because you were made for another world, the kingdom of heaven. And if you have not found this other world in Christianity, you will search for it in every possible place that there is. You want to be transported into these other worlds. And it's not just epic fantasies. And HGTV, Fixer Upper, this is stories of resurrection. The reason that you love to watch that show, if you watch Fixer Upper, is because they're taking a home. And the home has been broken. The home is, it's, the house is not working anymore. There's something wrong with it. And they come in and they fix it. And they make it beautiful. They make it better than new because, well, when something has been restored, it means that there's story behind it. It means there's depth to it. It means there's substance to it. And so it's better than new. It's something that's been broken and then made new. The same with you. And that's why you like that story. The Bible tells us that what you can see is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And that means that what's before you right now is less real than what is beyond you and what you cannot see. Every human longs to look into the unseen, into the resurrection, into another world. We groan for it from the depths. And if you don't find it or if you don't believe in it, you will look for anything that shows you pictures of the resurrection. It's, it's like there's deep cravings within you and you are tickling those desires with stories of resurrection. Now, in one sense, these epic stories aren't true. But in another sense... They are more real than what's before you. They're more real than what you can see and what you can touch. And in, in, in this show, Fixer Upper, well, you long for that because you long for the resurrection. And it's, it's pointing to something greater than a house that's been restored. So if you aren't a Christian, you're tickling these desires with stories, with shows. But if you are a Christian, you can look at these stories. Come back into me. If, if you are a Christian, you can... Look at these stories, and you can watch these shows, and they can give you pictures of what is to come. And if you will set your imagination upon the heavens, well, even these stories and even these shows can be part of changing you and sanctifying you. 
Christianity is the great story of how a living hope unmade the death that holds you. And today, what we're going to see is that this great and living hope happens through what the Bible calls regeneration. Through new life. Through being scooped up in this world and deposited into another world while you are still here on this earth. You become citizens of heaven living on earth who've been swept up into a new story, swept up into a new song, swept up into a new world while you're still here. And this rebirth that happens to you, it opens your eyes to be able to see the treasures of heaven. And you can even see them here on the earth because the kingdom of God has already come. It is already in your midst. We're in this series that we're in called the gospel, which means good news. It's this grand, epic news that you have been pulled out of a story, pulled out of a world, and deposited into a new one. And it's this news that makes you in awe and wonder of God, news that makes you want to do something that seems strange to the world around you, which is worship God. And what we've been saying in the series is that the gospel is not a diamond, but it is a whole diamond mine. And what we're doing throughout the series is we're going into the mine and we're exploring And we're taking down each diamond, which is like a shard of Christ, a shard of who he is, what he's done, and what it all means for you. And the diamond that we take down today is the diamond. If you look through it, it will change the way you see the world, it will change the way you see yourself, and it will change the way that you see God. And if you look through it, you will see that you have been raptured up into new life. The diamond that we're looking at today is is about the story of how once humanity was alive, and then our great enemies of sin, evil, and this world sucker punched us in the gut and knocked the wind of life out of us, but today we see God putting life back in us. Let me read our verse. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 3-8. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the name of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Our verse says that you are born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, what is this living hope? This living hope is that you are being scooped up out of this world and out of this life and out of this story and deposited into a new story and into a new world. When Jesus rose from the dead, resurrected life bursts up out of the grave and it brought his kingdom with him. He came here and he brought his kingdom. He went into death and burst up out of it and even more greater life came up with him. And so now the kingdom of God is in your midst hidden, but it's here. And then Jesus says in John 3, 3, truly I say to you, 
unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. To be born again means you have been awakened with new eyes to see the kingdom of God in the midst of you right now. This new world is like an invasive tree species. It keeps shooting up everywhere, and the more you knock it down, the more wild it becomes. Only, it was never meant that this would be an invasive tree species. It's the kingdom of God, and it's coming, and it cannot be stopped. And it's here now. And now, here's what has happened. There are two worlds that are at war with each other. This, this world of good and this world of evil. And in the midst of this evil world, the good is sprouting up all around us. Jesus says, truly I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So water here, where it says born of the water, it, it, it likely means that you have been purified, you have been cleansed. This is a good way to summarize the last three sermons. So three weeks ago, for the last three weeks, here's what we said. We have this sin about us, and Jesus comes and steals the sin from us, and he wears that sin upon himself on the cross, and he's crushed in our place, and then he takes his perfect record, and he clothes us with his perfect record, and then he makes us his adopted, or makes us adopted sons and daughters of God, a new status. That is what it means to be born of the water. And then it says to be born of the Spirit. So here, this is today, to be born of the Spirit means that new life has been brought into you. You have this new heart now with these new desires and these new wants and actually some old wants that are being, the cravings are being satisfied right now in Christ. Ezekiel 36 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. From your idols I will cleanse you. And it says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. That is your regeneration. Completely made new and deposited into another world. So second question. First question was, what is the new birth? Second question, how does this new birth change you? So yes, it it gives you life. And it deposits you into another world, but three other things. How it changes you. Puts you on a new path. Gives you a new strength. And it gives you a new love. A new path, a new strength, and a new love. So, th- so this new path. So you, be, you start this new road. And you don't look that much different than you did two days ago. In fact, if you became a Christian two days ago, you might not look very different. But here's what happens. If you start this new path, well, it sets you in a new direction. And over time, 20 years later, you start to look very different. So how do you know if you've been rebirthed? How do you know if you've been born again? How do you know if you have this regenerated heart? Well, look at yourself in 20 years. You'd be very different had you not been born again. So it says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So, okay, here. Not only are you brought into a new world with a new heart, but now you begin to change the way you're living 
and you actually begin to bring this very kingdom of God in the midst of you. You are part of it. You become like this epic fantasy writer. Only better, you're not just the writer, you are writing yourself into the story, and you are part of bringing heaven to the earth. Look at what this says, and it's, and it's a story of good and evil. There's a war happening, and look at what Ephesians six twelve says. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Regeneration rebirths you into a new world that is at war. And then you are given the strength to fight in the battle that is before you. I want to read to you a little excerpt from one of these great, grand, epic stories. It's the Lord of the Rings. Here's how it goes. So there's these two little guys, meaningless guys. Nobody, nobody thinks anything of them. And one says, it's all wrong. By rights, we shouldn't even be here, but we are. It's like the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come, and when the sun rises, it will shine out all the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you, that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning away, only they didn't, because they were holding on to something. What were they holding on to, mister? What were they holding on to, Sam? That there's some good in the world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. The Christian has been born into a new world with a new heart. And born into a battle. And no matter how small they are, this new heart that they've been given gives them to the strength that is needed to face whatever is before them. And it's a strength that, is, that looks small. And it shows itself in small ways. In what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit is this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it's fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So you, all you simply have to do if you're a Christian is lift your hand up and pick the fruit. And it's yours. And you begin then with this fruit, bearing these seeds into the earth, and then you bring heaven around you through these small acts of love and joy and peace. You love you love others, and what it looks like is fighting for them. I've been thinking about what love is. What does it mean to love someone? And I think what it means is you're fighting for them. You are for them and not against them. While the world around you breeds selfishness and this selfish ambition, you fight for the other. And you have joy in a world that's filled with cynicism. You have peace in a world that roars at you about all the reasons you have to be anxious. You are kind in a world that breeds hate, and you are truly good in a world that disguises good for evil and evil for good. 
and you're faithful. And that you will do whatever it takes to bring the kingdom of God. And you're gentle because you're strong like a lion, yet you're tender like a shepherd. And you're self-controlled. Now, how do you be self-controlled? Well, think about this. Your feet have been lifted up and put into another world. Your toes are digging into the eternal shores of paradise. You have everything you want in that world, and you have been put there. You are satisfied, which means you can now be self-controlled. Because the world around you is not self-controlled. The world around you get the things that they desire. But you remain steadfast, fixed, and strong because you have been put into another world. And the, your toes in the sand of this other world are somehow giving you a strength that is beyond you. And it shows itself in small ways with love, joy, and peace. And then lastly, you have this new love. Our verses in Ezekiel talk about cleansing you from idols. Now, an idol is something that you love more than you love God. It's something that you go to to get life from. And you can make an idol out of anything. It's just simply you go to something you go to to make you feel alive. So someone comes up to you and they pay you a compliment. And you find yourself feeling more alive from this compliment. Maybe a little too alive from it. Or if someone hurts you, they say something that's, that's actually true, but it destroys you. Well, it's draining life from you. And this is showing you that you have an idol of approval. Or you have an idol of wanting the admiration of others or the praise of others. Or, let's say all of a sudden you win a bunch of money, you win the lottery. Or something happens, you get a raise. Or your investments, your cryptocurrency shoot up to the moon. And you're so excited about it, and you feel life in you. Or you lose a bunch of money, you feel life drained from you. This is showing you that you have an idol in your life. Money, materialism. But the person who has been regenerated... They're of another world. And that means that the great successes or the great failures of this world don't move you so much. You're fixed and you're rooted in another world. And so when the wind blows, you remain steadfast and sure, unmoving. But if you're not rooted into the other world, you get simply knocked over. Success doesn't matter so much and failure doesn't matter so much because you've been deposited into another world. For something to be more glorious than something else means it's weightier. So a, a huge wave is weightier than even the greatest of ships and will simply knock them over. But if you went to punch a ship, it would hurt your hand because the wave is weightier than the ship and the ship is weightier than you. But if you have been deposited into another world and you have the strength of that other world, then you are weightier than the things of this world. So they don't knock you over. Success, failure, doesn't matter. You remain steadfast either way. And that's why Peter says in our verses that it is through fire that what you are is revealed. Because you're of another world, the fire that comes at you from this world can only show that you're made of the gold of the other world. So, next question. How does this rebirth happen? What is your role in this? Your role in being made alive is the same exact role that an infant little baby born plays. 
That baby had nothing to do with their conception and had nothing to do with their birth. It simply happened to them. And the same is true with you. Simply by the grace of God, you've been made alive. Titus 3.5 says, He saved us, not because of our works, done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by washing us of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So you are dead spiritually. And that which is dead cannot make itself alive again. You're dead. You're like sleeping beauty and you need the kiss of grace to wake you up. There's nothing that you can do. You are at the complete mercy of God. And so, th- so then something happens to you. You're dead. Something happens. And there begins to be a stirring in your soul. Something from deep within is happening to you. And what it is, is it's the grace of God reaching into the lowest parts of you. And his mercy is searching you out. And then, bang, life. The voice of God calls you out. The voice of God calls your name. And those who hear his voice are awakened out of the deepest, darkest, darkest night. What is spiritually impossible has just come true. Somehow, life has come out of death. The same way when there was nothing. And God spoke, and bang, life burst into existence the same way that you are dead. There's nothing going on and spiritually, and then bang, God wakes you up. There's a story in the Bible about the valley of dry bones. And what happens is this is meant to be a picture of our regeneration. So this valley of dry bones is dead, it's bones. And then God tells this prophet to come along and speak to the winds and call the four winds to come and regenerate life in these dry, dead bones. And it happens. It's a picture of your regeneration. Now, here's the practicality of it. Here's how it happens. The voice of God awakens you. And then the voice of man causes you to reach for Christ. What do I mean by that? Well, the voice of God wakes you up, but then you have to hear. You have to hear about the good news of Jesus. And then when you hear it, immediately... You grasp for Christ. Now, it does seem, well, let me help this make a little more sense. So it does seem that someone could be regenerated for a long period of time before they actually like, show signs that they're a Christian. So, for example, John the Baptist, he was in the belly of his mother in a room, and John the Baptist was there in this room, in the, be- in the belly of his mother, and then Jesus is, well, Mary walks in with Jesus in her womb. And when that happens, John the Baptist leaps for joy. It's clear that he must already be regenerated. He must have life, but he's in a womb. And so here's how it works. When somebody has been regenerated by God, As soon as they hear the words of Christ, they grasp for him. All right. So how do you respond to this? This is our last question. We're approaching a problem here. Because if you're not a Christian, I don't really know what to tell you to do. Because you're at the complete mercy of God. 
You need him to make you alive. And I suppose that the wisest thing that you could do right now is to just simply say, God, have mercy on me. Make me alive. And, and I guess if you're saying that, well, maybe that's the work of God already. Maybe his grace is already stirring deep in your soul. And now all that's left for you to do is grasp for Christ. And if you're already a Christian, how should you respond? I know of no other way to respond than in thanks and awe and worship. Because you did nothing. You did nothing to get this. This is simply a gift of the divine and gracious God coming and giving you life. You are completely at his mercy. And he chose you. And he picked you. And he made you his. And he woke you up. It's the greatest you gift, it's the great, absolute greatest gift you will ever receive, and you did nothing to earn it. Be in awe of him. That's how you should respond. In awe of him who swept you up into the story. In awe of him who took a new road, a road that brought him down here to us, a road that brought him, and when he came, he brought his kingdom, and then a road that made him into the seed of death where he entered into the grave, and he was buried in it, and there in death he became alive again, and he sprouted up out of the earth, and he brought his kingdom with you, with him. He brought resurrection with him, and he gave it to you. It's the greatest story that has absolutely ever been told. And the greatest part about it is that it's true. And you can be swept up into it. And you are swept up into it. You've been written into the grand story and the story has just begun. You are just on the first pages with you and God. And it's a good story. And it's the best of them. And so now, you simply have to live it. And one of the best ways to live it is through communion, the Lord's Supper. Because I don't know if you know what the Lord's Supper is. It's a sacrament, but I don't know if you really know what a sacrament is. Because a sacrament is the visible words of what God has done for you. It's the visible gospel. It's the gospel made seen for you to see. You see it. And so what it means is that when you see the the body of Christ broken, and the blood shed. You're seeing it acted out. Now, if you just watch from a distance, if you don't partake, then you're, it's like you're reading this epic fantasy story. And you're not in the story. You're just looking at it from a distance. And, and you're having your desires tickled within you as you watch as people come up and participate. But if you come up, this is you saying, I believe this is true. I'm in that story. And I'm part of it. See, it's not something you watch from a distance. It's something that you're in because you're taking part in the story. So that's what we're doing today. So here's how we do this here. If you haven't been here, well, it's a little bit different right now, but um, we have these little, well, you can figure it out. These little things up here. And if you're gluten-free, there's a gluten-free bag for you too. Um, let me pray for us. And then we'll do this. Father, we ask now that you would send your spirit down to show us what's really going on here. To show us that this is a story that we can be in and that you have woken us up into. And we thank you and we praise you for that. And we pray that we would know that you are here with us now. 
and that we would be part of the story. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.